Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Weekday Wednesday, Tucson, Arizona's number one online radio podcast about all things medical cannabis. Your host, Bellstar. And the Cannabis Kid. Our show features news, interviews, and all the latest information about anything and everything medical cannabis related in Tucson, Arizona. And, and the, the world, world at large. We'd love to hear from you. Please give us a call live at 646-915-8421. You can like us on Facebook, follow us on all social media, or email thctucson at gmail.com. We'd like to thank Tumbleweed Health Center and Studio C, along with our many sponsors for hosting our show every week. With the lowest price certifications in town, you'll find hemp products accessories, and all things related to medical cannabis education. Visit Tumbleweed Health Center at 4826 East Broadway Boulevard or online at com. And remember, be smart, be safe, and educate. Everybody, sorry about that. I was doing a bong hit. <laughs> right, how's everybody doing this morning? I hope you're all doing well, and I hope you can all hear me. <laughs> up the internet a little bit, and we also up the show. So we're hoping that um, you're able to hear everything going on. Sounds like you can. I uh, had to call into my own show here just to make sure that we're on and, and rolling. So welcome to We Stay Wednesday. Oh, August 26th. Is Santa even going to come during COVID? Sorry, I couldn't help myself. <laughs> yeah, because he's 60 to That's pretty good. All right, but his reindeer are not. <laughs> All right, folks, welcome to Weed Day Wednesday. You're stuck with me for the next ha- uh, hour. I was going to say half hour, but oh, my Lord. I'll clap. Uh, like a shotgun. Uh, let's see, August 26th. I can't believe it. Um, it's That's crazy how fast this year is going. I uh, hope you're all healthy out there and staying safe and it's a strange thing to even say that, but, you know, people say that, like, when you leave a store or, I don't know, wherever they are, that's the greeting. I'll stay safe, and it's like, ugh, kind of, almost kind of have to say that because it's crazy out there, you guys. Calm down, and maybe have some bong hits. <laughs> Silver Sister, how grand island this morning. And no cannabis kid today. Uh, we're going to have a guest on next week. So tune in and find out. Uh, and let's see what else is going on. Uh, we have, So last week, we were reading the initiative uh, that's going to ballot. And we also were listening to some of uh, Doug Klein's uh, book, which is really awesome. We're going to listen to that. So now... Give a little shout out to Tumbleweeds Health Center at 4826 East Broadway. Uh, if you don't know what you can get certified for, you can check out tumbleweedshealthcenter.com. And I just updated the video section with a whole bunch of new videos, including our favorite, Should Grandma Smoke Pot? All sorts of stuff going on. But you can check out tumbleweedshealthcenter.com, go to the certifications uh, section, and where it says book appointment, you can just book your appointment right there. We're open Monday through Friday, 10 to 6, and Saturdays, 10 to 3. Hopefully soon again, Sundays, 10 to 3. People like to come in on Sunday. You know, it's kind of one of those days, two around, come on in, get some CBD, get a card. Uh, if you suffer from PTSD, cancer, glaucoma, AIDS, 
chronic pain, severe nausea, seizures, including epilepsy, HIV, hep C, uh, ALS, Crohn's disease, uh, agitation of Alzheimer's disease, cachexia or wasting syndrome, severe and persistent muscle spasms, including multiple sclerosis. Uh, and Alzheimer's runs the gamut all the way to dementia and all the different types of Alzheimer's there are. Um, and if the, you're being treated uh, for a condition um, that's on here and the treatment's causing you any of these conditions, or even if the condition isn't here, but you're still being treated for something that's causing you any of this stuff, um, you can get your medical marijuana card. If you suffer from one of these medical conditions and have been diagnosed by an Arizona licensed physician, medical cannabis may help relieve your symptoms. Tumbleweeds Health Center is Arizona's premier cannabis certification health and education center. Our primary focus is to help the patients of Arizona obtain their medical marijuana card and educate everyone about medical cannabis. With current medical records, approval is a simple process. Contact Tumbleweeds Health Center to see if you qualify for your Arizona medical marijuana card. That's right. Give us a call, 520-838-4430. You can email thctucson at gmail.com. You can just come on down, 4826 East Broadway Boulevard. Uh, And then you can go to the website at tumbleweedshealthcenter.com and actually click on, um, there's a form at the bottom of each of the pages, I believe, or most of them. Uh, that you can just fill out and ask any sort of question you like um, or send us comments like ice cream. <laughs> all right. So howdy all you bloggers and texters out there. I finally got over to the chat section. It just took me a minute. <laughs> read about ugh, um, the top here it is here's five not even the top here, here here are just five brand name businesses that are in the marijuana industry already yeah, yep Anheuser-Busch InBev Anheuser-Busch InBev which owns Budweiser uh, and among many many others invested 50 million dollars with the cannabis a cannabis marijuana grower to create non-alcoholic cannabis beverages in Canada. <coughs> Budweiser is already in, guys. Altria, <coughs> a big tobacco company that owns Marlboro and other cigarette brands, invested nearly $2 billion into the marijuana company Kronos Group. It also owns a 35% of the vaporizer company Juul. You know that Altria owns 35% of Juul. Well, isn't that interesting? Uh, Molson Coors Brewing Company, which owns American many American beer brands, invested millions to develop cannabis-infused beverages. <coughs> Scott's Miracle Grow. Yep, Scott's Miracle Grow owns Hawthorne Gardening, which is quietly buying up hydroponic companies that directly supply marijuana cultivators around the world. Recently, they spent $450 million to acquire a cultivation supply company that supplies marijuana growers. <coughs> Hell's going on here, kids. Constellation Brands, which sells brands such as Corona and Modelo Beers, invested more than $4 billion into the Canadian cannabis producer canopy growth. Arizona may be short on big brand name businesses that are involved in the cannabis industry. However, Tempe is headquarters to Harvest Health and Recreation, one of the largest companies in the world. Um, well, yeah, according to them. Um, so there you have it. Five brand name businesses that you wouldn't have funk, but they are in. All right. Um, here's something interesting. Um, four women in history uh, that use cannabis for mysticism. Now, I love the pictures that are in here. They're really awesome. They're like, they're old school. The Oracle of Delta. Uh, There was a time when those who could tap into otherworldly energies were precious to rulers and royalty, and village peasants equally prized a local seer to resolve their everyday matters. Mystics throughout the ages have uh, been any gender, but typically men took up organized religion while women were pushed to uh, religion's outer fringe, the occult. 
Rightly or wrongly, today's fortune tellers, clairvoyants, and psychics are their heirs of a long female-led tradition. And for many women of history, at least, this tradition used the mind-bending powers of cannabis to access the supernatural. <clears throat> Here are just a few women, few women of renown, who got high and channeled the divine. The Oracle of Delphi, uh, 700 B.C. or earlier to 300 C.E called uh, the Pythia for her ability to commune with the Greek god Apollo, known as the Python Slayer. The position of <clears throat> oracle at the famous Tempe Delphi was filled by a succession priestess who each channeled the voice of Apollo. Once the most important prophet position in ancient Greece, the Pythia is said to have warned Oedipus of his tragic fate, uh, uh, that he'll kill his father and marry his mother. When preparing to give ocular or, or, oracular statements, sorry, ancient historians described the Pythia as chewing bay leaves, inhaling smoke from a variety of plants, and sitting over a chasm of rock to draw in vapors, which there's a picture of that, which is just absolutely awesome. She would then deliver cryptic prophecies in a trance-like state, which attending priests committed to paper for the awaiting seeker. Some scholars suggest the bay leaves contain opium and datura, while others say the sweet-smelling burning plants were cannabis, barley, and laurel. Archaeologists think the chasm in the rock exposed the Pythia to ethylene gas. <laughs> while none of these theories have been proven, we do know ancient Greece was familiar with cannabis and used it for both ritual and medicinal purposes. It's possible the legendary Pythia reached her mystic plane with a mixture of edibles, smokables, and geological vapors right up until the temple's closure by occult, wary Roman Christians in the 4th century. Yeah, you gotta go close that. <laughs> All right, let's see here. Um, next, Hildegard von Bingen, 1098 to 1179. Gosh, man. What was it like to live back then? I mean, I'm playing in the 1800s right now, and that's that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, what are you guys smoking? A little slow. A little slow. to me. What am I smoking? All right, a 12th century nun, like no other, other Hildegard von Bingen was a celebrated seer, uh, physician, scholar, and abbess from Germany. As much as Roman Catholicism labeled visionary women as false prophets and burned many at the stake, see below, Von Bingen managed to convince a, a PayPal committee. I thought it said PayPal. I'm like, what? They had PayPal back then? No. Long time. <laughs> she convinced the committee to recognize her visions. In one of her many uh, written works on theology, she wrote of a, quote, green power, quote, that flows through all creatures, filling them with life and divinity. When she wasn't interpreting the mysteries of life, she studied ancient Arabic medical texts which mentioned cannabis for a wide number of treatments. She also had ac uh, access to indigenous Germanic knowledge of hemp used by her pagan predecessors in both rituals and materials. In her medical text, Physica, she wrote, cannabis may cause um, <clears throat> pain in the head for a man with an empty brain, <laughs> quote, but it does not harm the healthy head and the full brain, quote. With her own medical garden in the Abbey, it's well speculated that von Bingen reached her civil states with the help of cannabis. Quote, green power, quote, was even adopted as a term for hash in 1960s Germany. Wow. There you have that, folks. Um, Joan of Arc, 1412 to 1431. Wow, look at this photo. She's got her sword. The true tale of Joan of Arc is one of the most tragic. We know uh, from her Inquisition records that she began hearing voices at the age of 13, which increased in frequency and urgency until, quote, the voice of God, quote, told her to help the uh, French prince uh, defeat the English army and reclaim his throne as the rightful king. And so she did. She led a fierce army that drove back the English, which allowed the young prince to become uh, Charles VII, king of France. However, that's where the nice story ends, ever suspicious of women who know things, the Catholic Church tried Joan as a witch. <laughs> of course they did. While the ungrateful Charles VII turned a blind eye. Uh, <clears throat> the church may not have been completely wrong. Some scholars say paganism, which openly used cannabis and psychotropic mushrooms, whoop, whoop, 
was still widely practiced in the country where Joan grew up. While many today think Joan of Arc's voices were a symptom of mental illness, the use of psychedelics could also explain her periodic apparitions alongside uh, exemplary clear-headedness during battle, not to mention her speedy recovery from war wounds. <laughs> yeah, Joan of Arc's inquisitors focused on what she consumed before her visions end, whether she danced around trees and known pagan ritual while high, among other leading queries. Eventually, her judges charged her with using, quote, witch herbs, quote, including cannabis, according to the Great Book of Hemp by Rowan Robinson. But they ultimately burned the 19-year-old at the stake for wearing men's clothing. Years later, in 1456, a posthumous trial declared Joan innocent and a hero to France. Oh, that is horrible. She was a baby. Okay. She was burned for wearing men's clothing. Well, I don't know. Some states wouldn't do that, you know, now, crazily enough. All right. Okay. Madam Helena Petrovsky, 1831 to 1891. Madam Helena. Fictional seance mediums with intense stares and Eastern European accents are largely based on Helena Petrovna Blavatsky, also known as Madame Blavatsky. Of course, couldn't have been Madame Helena. We have to use the last name that I can't pronounce. Blavatsky. We'll go with Madame. The Madame. It was all the rage in the late 19th century. This is what I'm telling you, man. I really think we should bring back opium dens and uh, and the Madame. The whorehouse. Let's do it. <laughs> Descended from the old Russian uh, aristocracy, 17-year-old uh, Blavatsky uh, Nevan Han left her husband of a few months for Constantinople and never returned. In her 25-year absence, she claimed to have smoked hash with the Universal Mystic Brotherhood of Cairo and visited several mystic locations across the globe, such as a voodoo-rich New Orleans, ancient uh, Incan sites in South America, the temples of Tibet, and spiritual centers of India. She went on to co-found the Theosophical Society in 1875, which is still in operation today. She published Isis Unveiled, still in print, and uh, it was on ancient wisdom and the paranormal, followed by the secret doctrine on the spiritual structure of the universe. Yeah. She freely admitted to smoking upwards of 100 cigarettes a day, and it's widely assumed she consumed a hash and opium habit picked up along her travels. Although today's Theosophical Society denies any drug use, quote, my most precious thoughts come to me in my smoking hours, quote, she told a friend, quote, I feel lifted from the earth and I close my eyes and float on and on anywhere and wherever I wish. Lovatsky. Whoop, whoop. Wow. There you go. So there's four cool chicks that uh, did some cannabis and got some clairvoyance. <laughs> I love those kind of articles because, you know, oh, we get into the, uh-oh, my call got dropped? That's crazy. It dropped my own call. That's nuts. <laughs> Let's call back and find out if the show's even rolling. It looks like we are. Uh, anyway, because that's just something we got to do is we always have to check in on our own show. These days. I don't know. I got, I increased the show power. I increased the internet. And then I had to increase it again. Uh, it looks like we're still on. So we're going to go with that. And I'm just going to leave it right there. And actually, I'm going to, yep, Ashley is in the house. Oh, look, it, it ended again. What the heck's going on? Anyway, I'm just going to put myself online here in case we do fail. Um, but let's see here. We are going to read more of the Smart and Safe Act and then take a bit of a break. Um, and then we're going to uh, listen to Doug Fine. She's always on. All right. So um, let's see here if we can get ourselves back in the queue. Press number one. And it says, oh, Silver Sisters on the line. Whoop, whoop. How's it going over there on the island? Okay. Um, so uh, welcome, welcome to the show. We are just going to start reading the next section uh, for Title 36, Arizona Revised Statutes, 
is amended by adding 28.2 to read responsible adult use of marijuana. We are reading the uh, SMART and SAFE Act. <clears throat> and this is what's going on your ballot, folks. This is this is the initiative that made it, that some people voted in. Um, and we're just reading it, and you just have to put up with me. Um, all right. And I read it twice before already. This is the third time. So if I get through it before the election, I do. If I don't, I don't. Okay. Uh, 36-28 definitions in this chapter, unless the context requires otherwise, one, quote, advertise, uh, advertisement and advertising mean any public communication in any medium that offers or solicits a commercial transaction involving the sale, purchase, or delivery of marijuana or marijuana products. Okay, there's advertising. Two, child-resistant means Designed or constructed to be significantly difficult for children under five years of age to open and not difficult for normal adults to use properly. Hmm. Okay. I wonder why it's under five. That should be like under 12 or something. All right. Three, consume, consuming, and consumption mean the act of ingesting, inhaling, or otherwise introducing marijuana into the human body. Okay, so I guess this isn't for pets yet. Okay. Four. Consumer. Means any individual who is at least 21 years of age and who um, purchases marijuana or marijuana products. Okay. Five, cultivate and cultivation mean to propagate, breed, grow, prepare, and package marijuana. Six, deliver and delivery mean the transportation, transfer, or provision of marijuana or marijuana products to a consumer at a location other than the designated retail location of a marijuana establishment. Seven, department means the Department of Health Services or its successor agency. Well, Who's the successor agency? Jeez. Um, let's see here. Eight. Designated caregiver. Um, excluded felony offense. Independent third-party laboratory. Nonprofit medical marijuana dispensary. Nonprofit medical marijuana dispensary agent. And qualifying patient have the same meaning prescribed in Section 362801. Um... Wow. They put a caregiver, an excluded felony offense, a dispensary agent, uh, and a qualifying patient, the same meaning. Okay, that's very interesting. We're going to have to read 36-2801. Number nine, dual licensee means an entity that holds both a nonprofit medical marijuana dispensary registration and a marijuana establishment license. Ten, early applicant means either of the following. A, an entity seeking to operate a marijuana establishment in a county with fewer than two registered nonprofit uh, <clears throat> medical marijuana dispensaries. B, a nonprofit medical marijuana dispensary that is registered and in good standing with the department. Um, 11, employee, employer, healthcare facility, and places of employment have the same meanings prescribed in the Smoke Free Arizona Act section. 36-601.01. Gotta look that up. Uh, 12. Good standing means that a nonprofit medical marijuana dispensary is not the subject of a pending notice of intent to revoke issued um, by the department. Okay. Industrial hemp, 13, has the same meaning prescribed in 3-311. Okay. 14. Locality means a city, town, or county. 15, manufacture and manufacturing mean to compound, blend, extract, infuse, or otherwise make a uh, make or prepare a marijuana product. 16, quote, marijuana, quote, A, means all parts of the plant of the genus cannabis, whether growing or not, as well as the seeds from the plant, the resin extracted from any part of the plant, and every compound, manufacture, salt, derivative mixture, or preparation of the plant or its seeds, 
or resin, which they already said seeds or resin. Guys, don't be redundant. Includes B. Okay, B includes cannabis as defined in Section 13-3401. C does not include industrial hemp, the fiber produced from the stalks of the plant of the genus cannabis, oil, or cake made from the seeds of the plant. Sterilized seeds of the marijuana, <clears throat> oh, sterilized seeds of the plant that are incapable of germination or the weight of any other ingredient combined with marijuana to prepare topical or oral administrations, food, drink, or other products. 17. Marijuana concentrate. A means resin extracted from any part of a plant of the genus cannabis and every compound, manufacturer, salt, derivative mixture, or preparation of that resin or tetrahydrocannabinol. <laughs> THC. Okay. B does not include industrial hemp or the weight of any other ingredient combined with cannabis to prepare topical or oral administrations, food, drink, or other products. 18. Marijuana establishment means entity licensed by the department to operate all of the following. (laughs) A. A single retail location at which the licensee may sell marijuana and marijuana products to consumers, cultivate marijuana, and manufacture marijuana products. B. A single off-site cultivation location at which the licensee may cultivate marijuana, process marijuana, and manufacture marijuana products, but from which marijuana and marijuana products may not be transferred or sold to consumers. C. A single off-site location at which the licensee may manufacture marijuana products and package and store marijuana and marijuana products, but from which marijuana and marijuana products may not be transferred or sold to consumers. 19. Marijuana facility agent means a principal officer, board member, or employee of a marijuana establishment or marijuana testing facility who is at least 21 years of age and has not been convicted of an excluded felony offense. 20. Marijuana products means marijuana concentrates and products that are composed of marijuana and other ingredients that are intended for use or consumption, including Edible products, ointments, and tinctures. 21. Marijuana testing facility means the department or any entity that is licensed by the department to analyze the potency of marijuana and test marijuana for harmful contaminants. (laughs) Y'all see what's wrong here? They're all going to be testing their own medicine. Uh, 22. Open space means a public park public sidewalk, public walkway, or public pedestrian thoroughfare. There you go. 23, process and processing mean to harvest, dry, cure, trim, or separate parts of the marijuana plant. 24, public place has the same meaning prescribed in the Smoke-Free Arizona Act, Section 36601.01. 25, smoke means to inhale, Excel, burn, carry, or possess any lighted marijuana or lighted marijuana product, whether, uh, whether natural or synthetic. So they're going to consider vaporizing smoking. Mm. Uh, 36-2851, employers, driving, minors, control of property, smoking in public places, and open spaces. This chapter, one does not restrict the rights of employers to maintain a drug and alcohol-free workplace or affect the ability of employers to have workplace policies restricting the use of marijuana by employees or prospective employees. So there you have it. No protection in the the recreational program. This isn't legalization. It's not even recreation if you're already not protected from it. Anyway, whatever. Two, does not require an employer to allow or accommodate the use, consumption, possession, transfer, display, transportation, sale, or cultivation of marijuana in a place of employment. Um, Well, okay. Does not require an employer to allow or accommodate the use in a place of employment. Well, you're not going to spark up a doobie at work anyway. Driving, flying, or boating, again, I want to know who has the boat collection here, while impaired to even the slightest degree by marijuana or eat or prevent the state from enacting and imposing penalties for driving, flying, or boating while impaired, 
to even the slightest degree of marijuana. <laughs> there you go. Who's got the boat? Four, does not allow an individual who is under 21 years of age to purchase, possess, transport, or consume marijuana or marijuana products. Uh, and five, does not allow the sale, transfer, or provision of marijuana or marijuana products to an individual who is under 21 years of age. You know what you can do over here? I'll be blazing and smoking it, about to go and get some munchies next Passing up on those cracker jacks, Reese's pizzas, I wear a check Gotta get me some soda, pop cotton mouth has been creeping up I can't remember where I put my keys, yeah, that's what's up I'ma take your grandpa's ride, I'ma take your grandpa's ride No, for real, ask your grandpa, can I take a 65? Deville cruising to my local Publix Nothing better than rolling with two super fly chicks They have frozen burritos, I bought frozen burritos I bought some Ben and Jerry's, and then I bought some Cheetos Hello, hello, my main man Obama A couple states have just reformed their laws on marijuana What you gonna do, send the feds there? Hell no, the DEAs would be like, ah, oh, they got volcano I'm gonna smoke some weed, only got $20 in my pocket I'm a hunt, looking for a pot shop, this is fucking know about the science of marijuana what you know about people suffering from glaucoma they need it they need it it helps them with their condition if you don't believe me then just ask some eye physicians thank your granddad for voting for that guy richard nixon is the president who made the plant illegal but science is now showing that it's medicine for people and the private sector fighting to keep all of that illegal alcohol and tobacco pharmaceutical prisons i'll take those four major lobby groups and fight those motherfuckers they're making money day and night all those motherfuckers and bribing congress out of sight all those motherfuckers They'd be like, oh, it's immoral and unhealthy I'm like, how many people are you making wealth? Anti-marijuana lobbies are making all kinds of profits And they don't want you to stop because of all the special interest I call that getting swindled and pimped shit I call that getting tricked by the government That law's hella old So it's time to update it, regulate it, and then get it under state control Peak game, look into my political telescope Think it's gonna stay like this forever? Not hella won't Not hella won't Being a hypocrite, you used to smoke weed. I'm gonna smoke some weed. Only got twenty dollars in my pocket. I'm a run, looking for a pot shop. This is fucking awesome. Let's end the war on drugs. It's time to pull the plug. These special interest groups are nothing more than corporate thugs. Let's end the war on weed. The people have agreed. Cannabis, marijuana, weed, pot, radio, whatever you want to call it. Okay. <laughs> as long as you're having a good day, listening, smoking, drinking, juicing. You ever tried juicing it? Oh man, that stuff's crazy for me. I hate to say it, but it's like I'm on crack. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we've been reading the Smart and Safe Act. Um, judge for yourself, folks. But vote. 
with some education under your belt, please. Yeah, for real. For real. Big audience clap for that. So, there's education in your lap there. Read it, read it, read it. Listen to it, which is why I'm reading it again. Uh, I've read it twice before. This is thrice now. <laughs> um, so, just get educated because it's it's not... It's not the beauty you think it is. So, anyway, um, Wednesday, Wednesday, thank you very much. You know, we've been at this for what, what is this? What month are we in? Oh, my gosh, August. Um, almost eight and a half years. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, and Tech Guy, we miss you. And all our peeps that we used to have here that aren't here anymore, we miss you. Um, out in the magic space, but you're with us. Yeah, you certainly He's like, I'm here. <laughs> Don't crash the show. <laughs> All right. Well, I love this part of the show right now, and I hope this never ends. It's not going to be for a long time, but it's the Doug Fine uh, book show time. We're going to listen more to Doug Fine's book here. Let's Here we go. Let's see where our little speaker is. Uh, oh, it's right there. And this is American Hemp Farmer Adventures and Misadventures in the Cannabis Trade. And let's just go back like 15, 30 seconds and roll the top. items or fewer lane came online. Okay, here we go. But like separated twins living similar lives, we've always known deep down we were related. Like most kids, even growing up in the 1980s on Long Island when Madonna was like a virgin... I wondered if trees feel. I mean, I recognized as I swung a hatchet that it is a powerful act. I grew up at a time when you could say talking to plants helps and not be considered insane. Right. You could find the occasional middle-brow journalism article to back you up. Hmm. But when it comes to totemic relationships, I'd always been more of an animal guy. I'm the fellow on the rainforest canoe trip who woke up early and locked eyes with the jaguar mother and kitten having a sunrise drink. Mm. In everyday ranch life, I'm the goat whisperer. Other members Mm. of my family call down to the corral if Bjork is acting rambunctious on the milk stand. It is my sweetheart and kiddos who have the green thumbs in the family. It's taken two decades of journalism, first about local living and then about the cannabis hemp plant, to provide the immersive education that's allowed a much muddier me to truly understand the sophisticated intelligence of, for instance, your basic bean sprout. Now I see clear as day that plants, as they go about their day, do the equivalent of getting the chores done, feeding the family, and squeezing in some exercise. In short, plants do what we do. Mm. Ultimately, the only substantive difference between animals and plants is one of pace. Plants divide their years seasonally rather than weekly. This awareness has deeply affected nearly every phase of my life. You should hear my Chauncey Gardner-like requests for journalistic deadline extensions these days. I hear myself saying things like, the piece will ripen in due course. Likewise, my entrepreneurial philosophy is now grounded on the pace taught by plants. I model business plans on creatures that grow for 10 months and allow you to make a living while working on climate stabilization. Advanced soil building, high-quality hemp processing modes that require more time, caution about the chemical composition of the people with whom I consider collaboration, I've learned from green leafy cannabis plants how to handle all of these. And it seems to be working out. The ground, of course, is where plants teach the most directly. Three months before planting hemp here on the Funky Butte Ranch, I began my overwinter soil preparation by planting a nitrogen-fixing clover-veg combination. A crop that on the surface, nothing to do with hemp, is going to one day soon play a role in the hemp seed shake that I and my family enjoy every morning. Mm. However it works in the real-world marketplace, I find that patience as a business strategy suits my nature. Throughout the hemp cultivation cycle, I keep relearning the same lesson, that best practices might be about leaving a few steps out, that fifth isn't the only gear for a farmer 
entrepreneur, or species aiming for survival. But that awareness not to freak out the moment you have an issue in the field has been hard won. It's not how I handled it in that 2017 large acreage field. In truth, we didn't primarily have a field problem in Colville that year. We had a harvest transport and drying problem, but we wouldn't be aware of this for several more months. You never expect a negative diagnosis. When those yellow leaf text images came microscopically over the ether, I, like most relative newbies, had tunnel vision. After spending the day overreacting and booking flights, I crashed but quickly woke from nightmares about regiments of diseased leaves suffering mm. from much more severe disfigurement than the real leaves, mm. storming in formation after Jackie and me. I care too much about that Colville crop. I really wanted it to succeed. Even the Colville tribe's chairman at the time, Dr. Michael Mershon, had told me that the tribe was deeply committed to hemp. We always thought, maybe this is the crop for us someday, he said. We want to diversify our economies. Hemp looks like the place we want to be. I'm happy to actually see a plant growing. There was, in other words, a lot riding on this crop. As lead consultant to the project, it was on me to figure this out. In waking life, all I wanted to do was change those leaves from yellow back to green. I wanted a magic wand, a magic soil supplement. As for jagged yellow leaf perimeters, I had never seen this variegated pattern before. I found myself taking it personally. Hmm, I thought, could be overwatering. And again, could be underwatering. Could be too much nitrogen, but dang, given the struggling soil when we planted the crop, could be too little nitrogen? Mm-hmm. That first morning with a mid-season problem, I perused the Emerald Triangle Ganja blogs that I find provide the most comprehensive photographic analysis of cannabis issues. To this day, I love sending former black market cannabis cultivation URLs to clients as part of my official advice. Best gardeners of Michael Pollan's generation indeed. Hmm, this just added to my variables. I scanned every yellow cannabis leaf since prohibition began. Looked like it probably wasn't a potash issue. The third generation Greenbud experts said leaf discoloration in that case is often associated with spotting rather than striping. Hmm. That's when it occurred to me to FaceTime with someone who had 60 years of cultivation under his belt. Hmm. It's good to have the world's most experienced hemp farmer as your mentor. <laughs> Sounds like a real quackmire, Edgar said when I had forwarded him the tiny photos of apparently struggling plants. Near one, when you're building stressed out soil, this kind of thing can happen. Mm. When I asked him if it was more likely a nutrient issue or a genetics issue, Edgar replied, could be either. It's a half a dozen of one, 50 of the other. <laughs> These problems can't cohabitate. Michael LaBelle, when I discussed the quackmire with him two years after the fact, concurred. Pictures might be worth a thousand words, he said, but on-site time is worth a thousand pictures. In other words, diagnosing a field issue is not so easy until you see it in person, especially a large field issue. I was learning that fast. A key question to ask with any plant health problem is whether it's localized or pervasive. In Colville in 2017, it was somewhere in between. At the time, Edgar and I agreed a sulfur deficiency was the likely culprit based on preseason soil testing and the outer edge yellowing pattern. Jackie was on board for a sulfur application, but adding OMRI-compliant nutrients to 60 acres in the middle of a growing season is no small task. That was the week I went from gentleman hand-weeding kale gardener to pricing aerial sulfur applications and back. We landed somewhere in the middle. Jackie decided to add the nutrients to the pivot watering apparatus in solution. But really, the problem in the Colville field that year wasn't sulfur any more than the problems in the Middle East are about last week's headlines. By the time I sashayed to the field with my family and dogs in the old camper, after driving through the ho-hum Armageddon of wildfires the whole way through Colorado, Utah, and Idaho, the crop already looked much better. Wading each morning into a square mile of Kelly Green hemp, 
scaring the bejesus out of this sun-darkening flock of blackbirds and neighboring ranchers' goats snacking on the crops just forming hemp seed, my sons and I had to get deep into the weakest portions of the shoulder-high field before I saw them, fast-maturing leaves yellowing in a weird pattern around their perimeters. I thought, naturally enough, that the sulfur application had helped. But when I spoke to her about it more recently, Jackie, who knows the field best, said she doesn't think mid-season liquid sulfur application was the way to go. Indeed, she isn't convinced sulfur was the main issue that year. Hmm. Obviously, the ideal situation is to address your nutrient shortages months before planting, she said. But if you have to do a mid-season sulfur application, granular rather than liquid is less likely to burn the plants. And whether or not sulfur was our main issue, you can't expect to monkey with your nutrients too much mid-season. Indeed, Dan had already noticed that his prior season cattle run sported by far the best swath of the field. That's where we took all of our social media shots that season. So something was happening with nitrogen, too. Suddenly, I was thinking it was a good thing that the state of Washington's crappy genetics laws didn't allow the tribe to save seeds in 2017 which really gets to the heart of the rookie mid-season focus. Thankfully, the crop did improve and did get harvested, but even if it hadn't, Jackie could only do her best to mitigate what was at core and off-field issue, bad genetics policy. Yellowing leaves had their origins in disastrous hemp legislation passed two years earlier in Olympia, Washington. No domestic cultivars allowed. Late arriving permits delayed planting, only four projects even applied to the program that year. The situation in Colville in 2017 is the reason the term perfect storm was adapted to non-meteorological phenomena. In fact, weather was about the only thing that went right other than perseverance. The tribal project was forced to plant non-acclimated seeds from tired genetics, sporting a germination rate lower than I would ever sell. Furthermore, a fiesta of bureaucratic nonsense forced the project to plant in July instead of Jackie's target date of May 20th. Robust hemp genetics planted in early June could have handled the challenging soil situation. The law and regs were so unfriendly that it was something close to a miracle that after months of paperwork delay and weeks of confusion at customs, the sacks of European seeds even arrived in Seattle, all for genetics that the project never should have been forced to import in the first place. With the ton of seed actually in the United States, it looked like planting might finally be upon us. So I flew into Spokane right around the July 4th holiday. For three days, Jackie begged for the release of her project seed from customs. I don't think I'll ever forget the afternoon of July 8th, bumping in Jackie's truck with its tribal license plates toward an absurdly out-of-the-way location in Airway Heights two and a half hours from the field as specified by state regulators. This is where the seeds would have to be stored if they ever made it out of customs in DEA-compliant lockers until we picked them up. Even as we drove, the UPS folks were saying that there were no fleet vehicles in the entire metropolis of Seattle available to get the seed to Airway Heights for the long-delayed planting. As she argued with customer service on the truck speakerphone in the remote town of Omak, population 4,787, and home of the annual suicide race indigenous horse competition, not one, not two, but three UPS trucks ambled past us, brown, shiny, and information. As a final insult, when we picked up the seed many hours later, technically the next day, and sped off back to the field, Jackie got one last call from a customs official. Don't plant yet, the voice said. We have some more questions. In the passenger seat, I made the downward in the hole arm gesture from Caddyshack. Too late, Jackie reported. The seeds are already in the ground. Sorry. That crop only got planted because a lot of people went the extra mile, including one Victor Shaw of the Washington Department of Agriculture. He, in fact, went the extra 200 miles on a Saturday to bring the second key we needed to open the DEA-approved seed storage locker in Airway Heights from his office in Yakima. This protocol ensured that as of 2017, hemp seed was as difficult to obtain in Washington as it would be for a president to launch a nuclear strike. It was far easier to grow psychoactive cannabis than hemp in the evergreen state that year. 
By contrast, in 2019, I just shipped my samurai seed home to myself in New Mexico. If we hadn't gotten that seed out of that airway height storage locker on July 8th, it's doubtful the tribe would have planted that. The days were already getting shorter for crying out loud. It was nearly two months later than the ideal planting time. The plants were going to want to start flowering before they even matured. Short of Superman reversing the Earth's spin, there was nothing we could do about that. Plus, it really was bottom of the barrel seed. Long story, but thanks to the fierce loyalty of my sister from another mother, Hannah Gabrielova of the Czech Republic, who essentially broke a Canadian seed blockade of Washington that season and sent us what she had left so late in the season, we were allowed to be stuck with offshore genetics. The French breeders of the cultivar Colville grew that year a variety called Pheromone 12. Didn't really care if we replanted. It was very difficult to find them, actually, and my high school French isn't very good. But the state of Washington's hemp rules that year wouldn't let us save seed anyway, nor grow for flower. You see why I'm so passionate about the genetic level playing field. I've lived the horrors of having to plant without it. But miracles happen. The crop got planted, and it came up. And everyone was psyched. Even the Colville Tribal Council came out to bless the crop an hour drive from tribal headquarters, and not an easy drive. The elders came in a van. It was an impressive ceremony. There was drumming, chanting. Then Chairman Marchand told me something that proved prophetic. This is nice being here today, he said, gesturing over the vast field. But once we're gone and the plants are left in the ground, then you're under pressure. It's like any farming. It kind of takes control of you. Darn tootin'. We don't think about it too much, but a lot has to go perfectly right in life for us to reach our current age. So when we got some leaf yellowing a month later, we all freaked out a bit. But it could have been worse. We treated the symptoms and, um, only being factual here, kept praying over the crop long after the council ceremony had concluded. On reflection, I think that might have helped as much as any soil applications. Given the comedy of errors the project faced, I look back on the 2017 Colville crop as a not-at-all-bad-debut effort. The tribe wound up with a multi-ton harvest that year, and it would have been even more if we had known what to focus on even as we discussed leaf coloring. But hey, they say pain is the best teacher. We sure learned, and now you get to benefit from that trial by fire. Chapter 8, The Mid-Season Panic Attack, Veteran Focus. The Hagenennons of Vesicitus III have the most impatient chromosomes in the galaxy. Whereas most races are content to evolve slowly and carefully over thousands of generations, discarding a prehensile toe here, nervously hazarding another nostril there, the Hagenennons will frequently evolve several times over lunch. Douglas Adams, the restaurant at the end of the universe. Mm -hmm. Now that we've covered what not to obsess over when the mid-season panic is triggered, let's examine where, if we're prepared, we might shift our attention when we wake up panting. Psychologists call this phenomenon attribute substitution. It's based on the principle that you can't take the worry gene out of the primate, but you can rewire what it is the primate worries about. Mm. When it comes down to it, there are six main ways to work off your August stress. <clears throat> One, make sure your crop's drying, cleaning, and storage processes are dialed in. The scariest part of harvest, and arguably the most time-sensitive, is not the harvest itself. It's the two hours following harvest. Mm. This might be the most overlooked component of the hemp season I've noticed in farmers for whom hemp is their first commercial crop. In 2017, Jackie booked a drying and cleaning facility for the crop well in advance of harvest. Because the place was, like everything that year, two hours from the field, Jackie procured the longest flatbed truck I had ever seen. Dan dumped the hemp from the combine into wooden crates that were immediately loaded onto the flatbed. Still, transporting the full harvest required two trips because, well, there was a lot of it. That wound up costing the project a couple hundred pounds of seed. Hmm. Here's the must-know piece of intelligence. 
the moment you harvest your hemp seed, the clock is running to get it down to 8% moisture. That's because the instant your seed leaves the field and is deposited in a bag or silo, it starts to compost. The reason that happens is that hemp is harvested greener than many crops, Roger Gushes said. Getting it dry is your first priority. Your initial harvest is a mass of green chafe. It looks like lawn shavings. Sometimes you can barely tell there are seeds in there. The crop can come out of the field at 20% moisture or higher. That's a lot of water. Try sticking your arm in a batch of hemp 45 minutes after harvest. It will be burning hot. I'm talking about nearly too hot to stand. You'll be steam scalded to your clavicle. Your harvest is cooking, sauteing immediately. Now it's a sprint. You have an hour or less to get going on the drying process. You might consider getting a siren to mount atop your farm truck if you have to move your harvest to your drying location. It's firefighter mentality time, and it's why the farmer's first mid-season task is to dial in the whole drying and cleaning process well before harvest time. For your seed harvest, there are lots of ways to do this. In 2018 in Vermont, we used a nearby organic popcorn farms drying facility, solar-powered too. Talk about (laughs) on-brand. But not everyone has access to popcorn facilities. Clearly not most modern movie theaters. (laughs) What most everyone does have access to are large bands, and these alongside some sort of storage bin, like a small grain silo, decent quality moisture tester, are what you'll need. Adding fun for the nascent hemp farmer is that for now, all but one brand of moisture tester, the Dickie John Grain Analysis Computer, lack a calibration level for hemp. And the Dickie John is expensive, around $4,200. So if you and your harvest team get hold of the much cheaper handheld field models, which start around $250, you get to pull one another about similarly sized seeds and then average out the results of several settings, barley, corn, and amaranth, or whatever. I usually find the readings are pretty close to one another. Close enough. Here again, I was lucky in that I learned from the uber-experienced John Williamson how forced air drying in a silo works. It's not complicated. Basically, make sure you have that silo on site or very, very close to your field. Depending on the size of your crop, it doesn't have to be huge, just able to hold about 1,000 pounds of seed per acre of field, plus associated chaff. The silo has an open, graded floor. Below the floor... Place a huge fan. It only has to be heated air if your harvest climate is cold and humid. Once you or your combine or your oxen deposit the wet harvest mass in the silo, snap on the fan and take a deep breath. You have started the drying process. Then spend the next 24 to 36 hours turning over your green mass with your shovel unless your silo is fancy enough to have an automatic turning mechanism. Do this hourly. In Vermont in 2016, I loved hopping fully into the silo, breathing terpenes, and rotating the deep hemp carpet. The goal is to get the seed dry enough before it overheats and rots into a sterile mash. It's simply amazing how fast this happens. Within two hours of harvest, the tribal project lost that entire crate full of seed in 2017. So if you have to go off-site to your own or to a commercial drying facility, you better get your entire harvest there fast. That experience is why I believe on-site drying facilities are a worthwhile investment. All right. Well, there you have it. You better have an on-site drying facility because that's crazy. (laughs) You have to rent a long bed that's longer than your field. That's just nuts. Hey, folks, thanks for tuning in to Weed Day Wednesday. Let's get our sound effects back up here. Yeah, yeah, ads, all that good stuff. There we go. Thanks for tuning in, folks. We love having you here. We love sharing news. I love sharing my lame opinions.
Have an awesome day, y'all. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.